Here is the message that evangelist Greg Fritz ministered for our church in 2015. He spoke on revival and prayer, which is a very timely word for the season we are in right now. Enjoy this four-part series. Thank you for coming out tonight. I believe it'll be worth your while and appreciate the um, staff here. And uh, I know you're well taken care of. Even if your pastor's gone, you got you got some great people here to, to uh, take care of you and run things. And they've all been great to me. Um, this has become, uh, I've only been here once, I think, when pastor was here. And so uh, it's just been rolling. It's been taking care of me. Uh, and uh, I got kind of used to it. I, I enjoy that. We look forward to it. And he's been up to Tulsa. And and uh, and so we got to spend some time together there. And, and uh, it's just great to have friends. And f- in my opinion, as far as associates, I don't know. what What is your title? Song leader, associate, assistant, pastor, the man. As far as associates go... He's he's like the gold standard, and there's no there's just he's just been here and they're just so helpful and so supportive and been f- for years and years and uh, it's just great to see people like that, and um, I'm looking for someone, uh, maybe like Mr. Chris. It's not fair that bo- the church should have both of them. One you should spread this around a little bit. So anyway, um, I'm going to share with you some on revival, and um, there's no way we can really get too, you know, deep into it in one service, but we're going to just stir the waters a little bit. How's that sound? And uh, then we'll just see. We may pray a little bit, or I don't know what we're going to do. Sunday night, anything could happen. Is that how you do Sunday nights here? Because that's what we do. I mean, I go to my church on Sunday night, and I might be preaching. That's what happened last Sunday. I was just sitting there minding my own business. And he, I said, he goes, you got something? I said, well, you, you know better than I do most of the time. He, he, my pastor knows when I have something, even if I don't know. And so uh, he did it the third time, and I just went up there. I thought, well, I don't have anything, but I'll have something by the time I get up there. And so, uh, no, I had something, and, and uh, but but it just anything hap- could happen on a Sunday night. So um, I just felt uh, in my heart to share with you what's been stirring in my heart, what God's been speaking to me, and, uh, and then you can just do what you want with it. But I tell you, your church flows with our church. It's, it's very similar. I know most of you haven't been there, and that's uh, World Outreach in Tulsa, uh, Pastor Mark Brzee. And I know he's been here, but uh, there's just a very similar flow. And, and it's because of all, all of our roots go back to the same place. Amen. They all go back to, to Brother Hagin and that whole movement. And, uh, and of course, you, uh, your pastor was very close to the Goodwins and the Hagins. And, and uh, so it just all kind of, um, thank God there's still some churches like this one. Amen. That believe in the power of God and the move of the Spirit and and I've been reading, preparing for next year, reading a lot of revival books and history books. And I may share some of that with you. But there were people who paid a great price to, to have the thing, to bring back into, um, into the church the things that we enjoy today. And I, I'm thankful for that. How about you? Very thankful. Um, so I, I thought I would begin 
um, we'll pray, and then I want to give you some history about Galveston. Would you like to hear something about that? I thought it was interesting. I was reading this last week. Um, as I was preparing, I, I wanted to read about the life of Charles Parham because he he had a Bible school, and uh, his Bible school helped. Really, I didn't know how instrumental it was, but it literally, it, it ushered in the Pentecostal move of the last century. The thing that we're still riding the wave of, his school was the one, and I'll give you a little history of that. But, um, but I was, so I was reading it last week on my boat. I have a boat, and I figured I could tell you. I don't tell most churches because they don't understand boats. But if you have Pastor Rusty as your pastor, boats are not a problem for you. Uh, uh, and so, uh, so I, I'm, I myself am a captain. And, um, and so I was on my boat. It's a houseboat, so we stay out there for days at a time. And I was reading my books out there. And, uh, and I read about, about Galveston, and I thought, boy, I need to probably just bring that up uh, in Galveston because it's, it's part of history, and it's a powerful thing. Um, so let's pray, and then let's get into this. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us tonight. Show us what you'd have, have us to do, have us to see. Plant your uh, thoughts and your seeds in our hearts tonight, and we'll be doers of it. We'll be faithful with it. Help us to be in position to do what we've been called to do in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, uh, Charles Parham had a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas. It was, just a, it was just there for a year. Then they moved it to Kansas City, and then they just suspended it for a while. But um, in 1900, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, 1901, they got together his little Bible school, and they began to seek God about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He gave his school an assignment to find out what is the common denominator in this experience of the baptism in the Spirit. And he left and came back, and they said, well, we've come to a conclusion. And every single one of them came to the same conclusion, and that is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was accompanied by speaking in other tongues. So they just took it a step further and said, well, then that's what we want. And uh, they began to watch and pray and seek God for it. And on New Year's Day, 1901, a little lady named Agnes Osmond asked Charles Parm to lay hands on her so that she could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he almost didn't do it because he wasn't filled with the Spirit himself. And so he went ahead and yielded to that and did it. And she started speaking in tongues in Topeka, Kansas, 1901. This precedes the Welsh revival. I mean, the, the, the revival in Wales and Azusa Street. It preceded all of that. And uh, it was the turn of the century. It was the beginning of a new uh, century. And, and it was very historic. And uh, it went from there. They moved the school then to Kansas City. And then later on in 1905, they moved it to Houston. And while this Bible school was in Houston, uh, the Welsh revival had already broken out, but not Azusa Street. While the Bible school, Charles Palms Bible School is in Houston, there was an, a man named William Seymour. Anybody heard of him? He was the spearhead of the Azusa Street revival. Well, he was hungry for God, and he attended the school for 10 weeks. And he was trying to find out about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Left the school and went to Los Angeles 
And, uh, and then he spearheaded the Azusa Street Revival. So before, right before the school started in Houston, Charles Parham and his team came here to Galveston. And, and I'll just pick this up. His wife wrote this book, and I'll pick it up. It says, in October 1905, a meeting was held in Galveston, Texas. They held meetings on the streets. Men came and listened in amazement to the wonderful truths of the gospel of the kingdom and saw signs follow. Once they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they immediately started going out. In fact, in Topeka, when the Holy Spirit fell and they all started speaking in tongues, because in a matter of days, several of them, scores of them got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, the newspapers started covering it. And they said the newspaper boys, back then the newspaper boys would sell them on the streets and they'd try to promote them. And they said that the newspaper boys were saying, Pentecost, Pentecost, come read about the Pentecost, read all about the Pentecost. And they didn't know what they were talking about. He said they didn't know a Pentecost from a Holocaust. And yet they were promoting it. And so anyway, they began to do meetings. And, and early on, they came here to Galveston to do some meetings. One night, Bessie uh, Tuthill prayed in an African dialect. And a man in the congregation told what she was saying and was so convinced of the baptism of the Holy Ghost that two nights later he came to the altar and he was reclaimed. A German sailor boy came to one of the street meetings and heard the gospel preach and then he came to the hall and was converted. His life was so changed that the rest of the sailors noticed it and were astounded not to hear him swear when things went wrong. He sailed for Germany and took the full gospel with him. At another street meeting, a young lady of Galveston spoke in several languages and interpreted. While she was talking, a man came up and asked uh, one of the men where the girl came from. The man said, why? He said, she's speaking in the Hindu language. And the man whom he addressed told him that, that this was his daughter and it happened uh, for it happened to be her father. And of course, she didn't know Hindu, didn't know that language. Uh, he said, I've, or she said, I've copied some reports from the papers printed during the meeting. All available space in the building was taken up last night by the crowds that assembled to hear Charles Parham, the leader and founder of the Apostolic Faith Movement. Besides those that filled every seat in the hall, quite a number of people congregate on the sidewalk about the doors to hear what the founder of the new faith might have to say. Uh, And he began, they, they began to explain what he preached, and it's, it's what we believe today. Um, the work in Galveston is being done by Mr. Parham and 24 student workers. A feature that distinguishes this movement is that uh, they don't take up an offering. Money's not solicited. The defrayment of expenses is entirely uh, dependent on voluntary contributions. This is in a PDF file. This book is a, is a used book. It's $253 to buy the book. So I bought the PDF file, which is 99 cents. But you can't mark it. it it's like stuck. So I can't, I can't mark it up like I do my other ones. Um, but, it, but for $253, we'll just stumble through it, you know. <laughs> These signs shall follow them that believe. They believe. They believe all that. Now this has happened. This was this was printed in the Galveston News. Uh, 
uh, it says uh, one of the principal passages of the Bible quoted by those who hold this belief is the injunction is set forth in Mark sixteen fifteen through 18. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes the baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And they practiced this. They were just revolutionary. Then she comments, We've found in our Christian experience that all new territory possessed in the land of Canaan is contested by the enemy of our souls and every promise which we claim as ours from the word of God will be tested to see whether we will stand upon it and it will become a reality in our lives. Perhaps this was why after quoting the scripture, If you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you, which the public press made note of, uh, that we went through some testings along that line. Several of the workers were taken very sick. We were sure that they had been poisoned in some way. In answer to prayer, they were all healed and delivered from pain and suffering. At another time, Mr. Parham took a drink of water from the glass behind the pulpit, as he had been in the habit of doing after preaching. He had only taken a swallow when he was struck with an awful pain. He began to pray, saying, O Lord, Thou hast said, and the pain instantly left him. The glass of water was taken to a chemist who said there was enough poison in it to kill a dozen men. He says, If we willfully take up serpents and knowingly drink poison, I believe we are tempting God. But if we accidentally or ignorantly do these things, enemies or unbelievers putting the promise to the test for us, we can, ha can with confidence claim these promises as ours and find deliverance in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. This was only one of the ways the enemy tried to take Mr. Parm's life, but he always said God was protecting him and nothing could kill him until his work was done. Under the leading of the Holy Spirit, Mr. Parm decided to go to Houston, Texas, and uh, conduct a Bible school. Scores of persons, married and single, were consecrating uh, their lives to God, volunteering for His service without money, without price, uh, to preach this gospel, but felt the need of Bible teaching. So he went to Houston to spend the winter and uh, train students. And, uh, and that's, where, uh, that's where Seymour heard him, and, and that's where many ministers were trained to take the full gospel message uh, to the world. Stay tuned for part two.